think the other thing that was really exciting too was we were doing something new and something fresh and we received a lot of free media from that. Hey, my name is Felix Tia, and I'm the host of Shopify Masters, a weekly podcast powered by Shopify, the easiest way to sell online, in person, and anywhere in between. Each week, we invite entrepreneurs like you to share what they've learned growing successful e-commerce businesses. In this episode, you'll learn how these two entrepreneurs spent their initial $20,000 investment, how working with an influencer became a game changer for their business, and how to amplify your social proof and reviews to get more sales. Before we get into our show, I wanted to take a moment to talk about the Shopify App Store. Shopify apps help you easily customize and add features to your store to make it your own. The App Store hosts over 4,000 apps built specifically for Shopify businesses. Shopify developers all over the world built these apps to help you save time and unlock a range of new features, from showing your Instagram feed on your store to offering loyalty rewards and more. Check out shopify.com slash app store for the latest Shopify apps. Today I'm joined by Stevie Angel and Nadia Tucker from Active Truth. Active Truth is an activewear brand that celebrates all women regardless of their size, shape, or stage of life and was started in 2016 based out of Brisbane, Australia and on track to hitting eight figures. Welcome Stevie and Nadia. Hi, thank you for having us Felix. We're both really excited to be here. Yeah, so this all began from something that you both saw and talk to us about that. What was the opportunity? What was the problem that you were both trying to solve with uh, the, 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 the initial products and, of course, the brand that came with it afterwards? So back in 2015, Nadia and I were newish mums. We both had a toddler and a new baby each, and we decided to, we needed to get back into exercise and going to the gym, so we started training for a Tough mother. And part of that was that we needed new activewear because our bodies had changed and our old tights didn't cut it. So we were on the search for the perfect pair of tights. We didn't want to go to a mall with kids no in tow um, <laughs> and try on like we're in a small change room. That was a nightmare. So we decided to shop online and we were finding brands through Instagram, um, which had beautiful tights, beautiful prints. But when we were receiving them in the post, they just weren't performing and just obviously weren't going to perform on bodies without model proportions. So they'd be sagging or see-through or rolling down as we went for our walk. And there was that time that I took uh, the boys for a walk in the pram and I literally had to like get you to hold the pram and whilst I hooked my pants up because I just couldn't stay up. Mm. I know. So it was just this constant, constant battle with finding the perfect pair of tights and we started talking to our friends, thinking that they might have some brands that they could recommend and it turned out that other people we knew were having the same struggle and in particular our friends who were around a size uh, US 12 and above really struggled to find active wear that uh, fit well and performed. So they'd either go into a regular size store and they'd be half a chance that the largest size would fit them but they might leave feeling terrible about themselves because it didn't or they were stuck um, shopping in the plus size section of a department store, which is normally up in the back, covered in cobwebs, sort of thrown in the corner as an afterthought. And if they were shopping there, um, the products were normally pretty bad quality um, and didn't have all the performance attributes that regular activewear did. So we saw that there was a gap in the market for just a really uh, great product that was size inclusive. And at the same time, when we were looking on Instagram, we just weren't seeing brands that resonated with us um, it was all either your 20-year-old uh, yogis yeah, or um, high-performance athletes. 
Um, and it was all sort of one body shape and body size. So we also thought that there was room for a brand that celebrated a more diverse range of women, um, celebrated them getting out there, being active on their own terms, and not only celebrating, but showing them in their marketing as well. So once we saw the need for a brand like this, we thought, why not us? Yeah, so a couple of things you mentioned there, which is that you saw an opportunity marketplace, both from a almost a technical aspect of how do you design better clothing for for certain people, and then also from the branding, the messaging side, finding ways that that you can have a brand that again resonates more with the the, the audience that you're going after, the audience that you, you both belong to. So let's talk first about the technical aspects of designing clothing. Did either of you have background in designing clothing, let alone active wear? Um, absolutely not. Um, I still can't sew a button. Um, my grandfather still darns my socks and I still staple, uh, my hems when they come down. So we were starting from, uh, from the beginning, which I think was actually really helpful because we, we didn't know, we really had to start from, start from the start, start from basics. Um, and what we really quickly learned um, when we were talking with um, different manufacturers and different designers was that they're really in the fashion industry at the time was that everything was made from one garment and then they were sized up and and even just uh, Stevie and I are very similar size and shape, but just the small discrepancies in our body shapes meant that each pair of tight that we were sampling fit us both really differently. So one thing that um, it took us 12 months to uh, to work with our um, pattern maker to design what we believe is the perfect shape. Um, but uh, what we uh, determined to do was rather than just selecting one, one shape and then just grading up, um, every single one of our tights in every single size comes from a separate base pattern. So um, we've taken on board lots of comments. We've tested the product um, on all different shapes and sizes and really tried to um, de develop shapes and patterns that really consider the female form, um, particularly as they change depending on body shape, um, height. Um, even um, recently, uh, some of the feedback that we've received from our customers was that um, no one was catering to women who were short. So uh, we've recently introduced a petite range and that, so that's for women um, 163 centimetres and below and um, we've had great success with that. And um, because of the success of that, we've also introduced um, and are about to launch in the um, coming weeks a range for women that are 180 centimetres and above. So just really trying to um, – we, we know we can't cater for everything and everyone, um, but uh, we're, we're really trying our best um, and listening to the customers and how, how the product actually fits. Yeah, and these these twelve months of uh, iteration and testing, you had mentioned that you're working with uh, the pattern maker to to figure out the the, the best kind of um, I guess designs. What was happening during this time? You know, twelve months. Uh, that's can a lot can be happen during that time. I talked to us about what was going on during that that period while you were perfecting that that first product. Uh, well, Stevie and I were both employed full time in um, quite demanding professional roles, and we both had young kids. So uh, this was really a side passion project during that period, and trying to fit in meeting with um, pattern makers, uh, meeting with different manufacturers. We um, 
met with many here in Australia and also um, meeting with lots of different fabric suppliers. I think um, the, pat- the pattern is really important, but uh, what we very quickly learnt that as soon as you apply different types of fabric with different um, quantities of lycra or um, polyester or nylon in it, it could make such a huge difference. We had our initial sample, which we thought we had this perfect um, pair of tights, put it on and then we changed the fabric to something um, something else. It changed the um, the length of the tight by about 20 centimetres just with the stretch. So um, there was a lot of testing um, we went overseas as well um, to speak to manufacturers overseas um, and we went around and around in circles until um, we really landed on um, a local Australian manufacturer who um, we still work with and still partner with and she has been um, just instrumental in taking Stevie and I through the process of developing products. Anyone that manufactures products, whether it's in retail or uh, in other, it it is really difficult. Um, it's never perfect. Um, so it's been a huge learning experience and I'm forever grateful, particularly to um, our Australian manufacturer for the help that she's provided us. Yeah. And if neither of you had experience in this field, I think a lot of other people out there might be thinking the same thing. That they they have a problem, they, they want to develop products in a particular uh, category, but they don't have experience in there. I think the concern is like, how do you know, you, how do you make sure that you know what's going on, especially when you're you know investing money and hiring people to help you out and, and manufacturing? How do you make sure that you're, you know, that you're aware of, of all the things you got to be aware of? There was a lot of a lot of reading and researching and asking the right questions. Um, I think um, it shouldn't be a barrier to entry um, not having that experience. As you said, neither of us had experience in the manufacturing, but we had no experience in business. We had no experience in e-commerce, so um, we just tried to meet with the right people and get the right advice. Yeah. Now, once you had you found the, the the partners that you wanted to work with, talk to us about what was what was involved at that point. How did you once you found a partner? What was the next like production or like what was the very next step after you you found a, a design and then a partner to work with? Ah, uh, so we went into production. Our our first ever run um, was a hundred pairs of tights. So we really um, and we had we had no funding. Uh, Steve and I both contributed it. Ten thousand dollars each to the initial to the initial business, which allowed us to set up um, business structures and websites and and purchase the fabrics and um, you know pay for the pattern making. Um, but we really did start small, um, and it literally was a box of a hundred tights, <laughs> and there was no marketing budget, so we had um, photos of us from the neck down on a website, as which the, we took uh, on our iPhone. <laughs> And we, uh, I, I made the logo in uh, Illustrator. I'm not a graphic designer. Um, that still haunts me to this day. Um, so we really bootstrapped it. Um, and I guess we did the bare minimum to launch, um, but at the same time we really made sure that we had uh, the business structure there and got financial advice um, and had, I think, those um, all ducks in a row um, ready to go. Yeah, so, I mean, it sounds, you know, in the face of it, it sounds like a pretty uh – a pretty strenuous journey if you're looking at it from the very beginning, right? No experience, bootstrap business. And we had mentioned at the start of this that it's on track to an eight-figure, become an eight-figure business. When you look back on it, what do you think you had to get right? What do you think you guys had to both figure out or what do you think What do you think you, you navigated well to make it work based on, again, not starting with much? 
I think it's definitely the combination of product and brand. Um, a great product, we say, is always the best marketing. Um, we have really great uh, word of mouth referrals um, and a ton of reviews on our website. Um, and the brand really resonated. And I think the growth of the brand so quickly with no paid marketing behind it was testament to the fact that women were ready to see a brand that celebrated them rather than making them feel bad about themselves or making them feel like they needed to go to the gym um, to look a certain way. Um, so we had really um, fast take up there um, in terms of our social media following and our sales. Yeah, one thing you had mentioned to us was that uh, the so using social media to grow a community was uh, instrumental to a lot of success early on, and then still to this day, the, the 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 effort that you put in there has played out. And you had mentioned too that about how the brand was really resonated with 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 your your target customers. Now, when you have when you both understood that this is the kind of brand that we wanted to create, how do you how do you how does that actually as you play out? Where where is the messaging going? Like how do you make sure that that when someone thinks about active truth they have a particular image in their mind well firstly um, from a visual point of view um, we never ever photoshop our models and we do show a diverse range of women across our socials and we're showing every bump lump freckle and scar um, there so I think that was really different at the time um, so visually they would see um, active truth and then in terms of uh, tone of voice we really spoke to the community as if it was Nadia and I speaking to them. We didn't try and pretend that we were a massive brand. We, um, I guess, leveraged the fact that we were a small business. Um, you know, we try to be funny and relatable and real. Very funny. And, um, you know, we, we, you know, we're self-deprecating and just really tried to get to know our community. We early on made really good relationships with a lot of influencers and bloggers, um, particularly locally here in Brisbane. So we'd go and um, have a coffee or go and have breakfast with them, which I think they weren't used to seeing people offline. But that was a really great experience to build the relationships with them and then um, they would spread um, the Active Truth message to their communities. But it was also a really good learning experience for us. We didn't actually have Instagram ourselves personally until we started the business. So we were learning to use social media at the same time as we were growing the business. Yeah. So during these 12 months uh, before you went into manufacturing, were you growing the community at this time? Like, what, When did you start focus on, on using social media to grow your community? Yeah, we did start early, yeah. probably about three or four months before launch. We started the account and we just posted some inspirational quotes and a few uh, yeah, nice pictures that we found along the way. I think at the time we uh, we launched, we had about 500 followers on Instagram and we were pretty excited about that. Yeah, so so obviously, you know, 500 certainly is better than zero, but certainly not a huge amount to, to start off with. Now, what, what do you think uh, helped you, like what changes did you make to your social media strategy that really started to kick it up a notch and grow that community much faster? Well, I think just having product to sell um, and our influencers and customers starting to post photos wearing our tights um, and spruiking the product um, really started to grow um, the following pretty quickly. We had some really good wins in the first year or two with some big influencers, um, one in particular um, for our maternity range. So that's another category. We have maternity active where um, she was just a customer. Um, we didn't know that she was going to post. Um, her name is Zoe Foster Blake, who's quite a big celebrity here in Australia. Um, and that was a really big game changer um, for us. We were seeing growth already, but that was a overnight boost to the business. I think the other thing that was really exciting too was we were doing something new and something fresh and we received a lot of um, free media from that so we were um 
there was a story about us in our local newspaper and, you know, the exciting thing about that was one of the producers of a national TV show read that article and then the next minute we knew we were down in Sydney at 5am getting ready to go onto live TV to tell our story. So we've been really lucky in that um, our messaging is um, consistent. Um, it really resonates with people and and, and people want to share that story. And um, we've been incredibly fortunate to have the support of um, the local media here in Australia. Yeah, I think there's something to be said about how if you have a, a you know, a unique approach or unique messaging or something new and fresh like you had mentioned, it goes a really long way for opening doors to 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 media, to to free PR, to get your name your name out there more. Is that still a strategy that that works today? You know, you had just mentioned that to me that you just celebrate your fifth birthday, which congratulations for the business. Now, is that still a a was that still care at you now that you've been in business for five years and people still care to tell that particular story? Uh, we don't uh, use a PR agency at the moment. We do it all in-house. Um, so when we have you know, interesting stories to tell, um, we do get a lot of media support. We recently did a collaboration with an Indigenous artist here in Australia on a print um, for our, one of our collections, and that got some really great uh, media coverage as well. Um, so yeah, when there's an interesting story to tell, um, we, we do continue to get support from the media, and it's a really good channel uh, for getting traffic to the website. Well, I like that. I like that there that due to the the kind of products that you're putting out there, there's now a new story to tell. Is that often an approach that has worked where collaborations or or other products that you're releasing usually are good kind of jumping off points for for media to want to tell your story? Uh, yeah, definitely. One of uh, our other uh, really important partnerships is with a local charity called Share the Dignity who provides sanitary items for women in need and who are homeless. And every year we partner with them and we create a limited edition tight um, to support one of their initiatives, which is called Move for Dignity, where they encourage women to move for a month um, and uh, to raise awareness and funds for the charity. Um, and so every year uh, there's always a lot of excitement from uh, both our community and their community uh, around um, the product and telling the story and participating in the um, month of activities. And that definitely uh, gets a run every year because it is something, it's a really good news story and um, it's something that we really, um, really like to celebrate. Yeah. Now, now that the, the business has grown to an eight figure on on track to get hitting eight figures, what are some of the biggest challenges that that you you faced along the way as the business has scaled up? Uh, so there's been many challenges. <laughs> I feel like we face challenges every day, but I think being a, a product based business, I think inventory has always been a huge, huge issue for us. In the early days, we couldn't produce enough, or we didn't have any funding, so we were literally uh, every every pair of site, um, every pair of tights we sold went into uh, purchasing more stock, um, and then over the course of the five years, um, there's been periods where we've had an oversupply of stock, and then uh, in the lead up to um, uh, to COVID, we're really working hard towards you know, you know working on our cash flow and our inventory holdings, and we're working towards um, having ten turns. Um, uh, a year and then COVID hit and, um, you know, fortunately for us, there was a huge demand in um, activewear, but an issue that we immediately ran into was we were just didn't have any inventory for a very long time and our um, Australian our Australian factories were working um, and as hard as they could, they were literally coming off the machines and onto the shelf and into a bag. Um, so 
infantry management has been um, most definitely incredibly difficult uh, and along with uh, cash flow. Mm. Now, as you, as the business has grown, how have your roles evolved over time? Uh, I'd love to say that we work on the business, but we're very much still in the business day to day. We do, we do a lot of work together. I think we work really well together, bouncing ideas off each other uh, and problem solving together. Uh, we do have a bit of a split. I generally sit, um, sorry, I, Stevie, generally sit more in the marketing um, e-commerce uh, side. Uh, Nadia is our numbers and inventory woman. Um, but, you know, marketing is such a huge part of our business that we're a lot of the time we're both in there. And you had mentioned to me too about how working with influencers, especially early on, really kickstarted things with you with, with some, celebra- some celebrities in Australia. Talk to us about that. Like what, what exactly were you doing with influencers to, to, to market your, your brand? Um, we're actually really lucky. Um, a lot of the influencers and the big ones that we've had huge successes with, we actually didn't reach out to. Um, they actually purchased the product because they'd been recommended to them and they posted uh, without our knowledge. And I still remember one of uh, one of the big ones uh, was one of the uh, – um, a lady called Mia Friedman um, who runs the media agency here in Australia, Mamma Mia, and uh, she posted about our tights and it was on Stevie's birthday. And it was back in the day when we still had our notifications on um, – on our phones for when we got sales, when it goes cha-ching. And we were sitting there at lunch for Stevie's birthday and the phone just started going cha-ching, cha-ching. And we were like, what's happening? And then, um, so, you know, that was that was really exciting. So we've been really fortunate um, with some of those influences that they've actually believed in the product um, and purchased it themselves. Uh, with some of the other influences, um, you know, we, we keep an eye on what people are doing and we really try to partner with people that align with our values. So many of our influences aren't your traditional, um, you know, Instagram fitness influences. A lot of them are women that are in fashion or they're mummy um, bloggers or journalists. Uh, we've had a lot of success with some of the more sort of micro influencers. I, we um, we definitely see that they're trusted and they really work hard within their communities. Um, but I guess with the, with the influencers, it actually hasn't been a huge part of our growth. Um, we are looking towards doing that a little bit more at the moment, but it hasn't been the biggest driver of our growth. What would you say that is then? That that's the, been the biggest driver. Organic socials has been um, a big driver for us. Um, SEO um, has started um, being a good driver of traffic for us as well, um, particularly in the maternity space. And word of mouth. I think word of mouth uh, really surprised us. Um, every year we do a customer survey, which um, we you'd normally t- time around our birthday. And so it went out yesterday uh, for our birthday. And it's really exciting. We, we normally get about 5,000 um, responses. And one of the questions we ask is, how did you hear about us? And, you know, I always assume that it'll be through social media or paid ads. Um, and every year, uh, on average, it's about 40 to 45% of people say that they um, heard about us through word of mouth. So I think despite being in such a digital world, um, we're really conscious that um, word of mouth is still a really huge driver. Yeah. You know, having a great product is, is required, right? To have this, your product spread through word of mouth. Have you found though there have been other things that, that, that you have done that has helped amplify or encourage word of mouth? 
pretty early on, uh, we realized that we needed to collect reviews. We were getting really great emails from customers providing us with um you know, beautiful messages about how the tights were making them feel and giving them this great confidence when they were working out. Um, so we started collecting reviews uh, quite early on. Um, and then we're, um, you know, asking every customer post-purchase now for a review and leveraging it across that, um, that across the website, across our socials and across EDMs now to really amplify that word of mouth. Yeah, so tell us, say more about that. So when you get a positive review, what are some ways that you tactically spread that 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 positive review that 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 um social proof yep so on the product page you can see reviews for that product um, and also on the home page we highlight a couple of the uh, top reviews um, on our social channels we'll um, show it on a tile or show it in the caption of our social posts and in our stories um, and in our edms we'll often uh, showcase uh, reviews there as well about particular products Thing too, which is always interesting when uh, media do publish stories, they often also rely um, on the quotes uh, and the reviews on the website because I think what we really um, like about the reviews is that it's using the language of our customers. And um, when we're uh, you know planning our marketing strategy, we always look to our reviews and always look to the language that um, our customers are using. And one of the big things that came out of that was um, the word confidence, and that is now really embedded in all of our marketing because that was a really strong theme that was coming through in all of our reviews was um, these types give me confidence to do X, Y, and Z. And um, so that's that's definitely been a really strong driver in, in our communications. Hey, real quick, if you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review on iTunes and let us know what you think or what you'd like to hear more of. Now, let's get back to the interview. Got it. Now, what what did you do? What what, what I guess what, what have you been doing to increase or to encourage people to to come and leave reviews? So we're using uh, the app Akendo, uh, which does an automatic email uh, after they purchase, requesting a review, um, and we give out a, a gift voucher um, as an incentive to leave us a review. Um, and they also give a follow up email as well a few days later if they haven't done it. So. Um, that's been really helpful. And we also respond to all of our reviews. So we not only read them, but we make sure that everybody who leaves a review on our website gets a response from us. So um, a lot of the time it's a thanks so much for that wonderful feedback. But if someone's got a sizing issue or they didn't love the product, then um, it's an opportunity to re-engage with them, potentially um, turn them to a different product on the website, which might suit them better. Or just at least if they, even if they return the product, it leaves them um, with a great impression of the brand. And you mentioned too to me earlier about how the the maternity is taking off for for your your company. When you see a segment like this taking off, you see a lot more, uh, I guess, a concentration of people coming that are looking for for products for for, for maternity purposes. What do you what do you, what do you adjust at this point? Like what what can you do with that information when you see that people are coming to buy products from you that are are buying for maternity? So maternity is a really big uh, segment for us. Um, we actually have separate Facebook and Instagram pages for our maternity customers, so Active Truth Maternity. Uh, we found that they are quite different audiences um, and having those channels get, gives us a way to really talk to them. Um, you know, when you're pregnant, that's what you care about. You care about babies, you care about um, pregnancy and um, we weren't able to talk to them directly all the time through our um, main account. It was sort of every sort of sixth or ninth post was a maternity post. So this allows us to really talk to them about our products and um, you know, the love a meme as well, love a maternity meme. Um, 
and yeah, it had just this different conversation on those channels. Oh, it's interesting that that so once you had recognized that the the almost like the the way that someone can be immersed in a particular life event, you should almost create a different channel to talk to them, right? Because they're totally going to be different than like you mentioned when someone's uh, is pregnant. That's all they that's all they're, they're thinking about. They're thinking about that a lot. And if you are mixing in messages about something that's not about maternity, it could detract from from the, their experience. Is that is that what you're getting at? Yeah, and they're not necessarily going to see every single post um, that we put up as well, of course. So if they're following the Active Truth main account, even if we're doing a maternity post every few posts, they're not necessarily uh, seeing that either. So, yeah, we found that um, essentially creating a sub-brand for maternity was a great way to um, directly communicate with those customers um, with the language that was important. Yeah, and we also um, segment our email marketing as well and our digital um, paid marketing um, and I think that that really allows us to um, narrow down on that uh, that market. Yeah, and we also have a, have strategies to re-engage them back into the main Active Truth account once they've gone through that, uh, I guess, their initial motherhood um, stages. Um, so we have pregnancy. We also have postnatal, postpartum tights and um, nursing bras as well. So um, once they move through that stage, we try and re-engage them back into the regular uh, active wear as well. Mm. And was this a, a, a line that the, the like, for example, the maternity tights, was that a line that you initially launched with or was that something that came later? Uh, it came a little bit later, not too much later. Um, both Stevie and I had the great experience of having to wear our husband's shorts when we were pregnant. So it was definitely uh, an issue for both of us. And um, we went and spoke to our, our pattern maker very early on and said, this something has to be done here. Um, and so uh, we worked with her really closely. Um, and so I think we launched the maternity tights about six months after launch. So your your, your product lines have, have obviously increased since you first launched. Talk to us about how you decide what to what kind of products to focus on, is what, what to solve next for your customers. Uh, yeah, well, going back to the survey that I mentioned, um, you know, we really do listen to our customers. Part of the um, questions in the survey are around, you know, what what products are you missing? If you could um, spend a day at Active Truth, what would be your first product that you would design? Um, and so it wasn't just the maternity types that we were listening to um, our customers about and our own personal experience, um, but also swimwear was something that definitely came through very early on that uh, women were struggling with finding um, the perfect uh one piece. So uh, we released that about two years ago um, to great success. Um, and it, it really is just listening listening to our customers. They come up with some great ideas and it's not just in terms of um, the actual product design. It also comes down to prints and colours um, and they really are a great source of inspiration for us. Yeah, and how do you test out that, like even things like prints or, or new product lines, something as large as a new product line, when you are thinking about uh, expanding into it? Uh, we always start really small, and I think that's the beauty of having local Australian manufacturing, and we also do manufacture overseas, um, is that we can start really small. One thing that we're working on at the moment is a um, recreational cycling range, and um, you know, I, I'm not sure whether that will be successful or not, but uh, we'll definitely start small. We'll test it on um, 
we'll road test it with some customers. Um, we've done that a number of times over the last few years. We send out um, to our community saying, um, we're about to release this uh, new product or this range. Uh, we'd love, um, you know, 10, 20 road testers uh, to try out the product and we'll send the product out. And then um, I hop on the phone with each person for about 10, 20 minutes, sometimes an hour, depending on what they want to talk about. But I found that really, really helpful. Um, we also often get customers to come in to star in our photo shoots. Um, and that's a really good opportunity. Not only do they get to come in and have fun and our team is so great at making that day so special, um, but it is a really good opportunity just to talk to them and ask them, um, you know, what what problems do we need to solve? Um, you know, what, what other brands do you look to that, uh, you know, you find inspirational or you enjoy? Uh, and that's both in terms of, you know, the products that they're providing and marketing. So it, it really is. Um, I think listening and asking the question, the right questions too. When you've been on this entire journey, I think what really sticks out is about how important it is to have a brand that resonates, which plays out in the kind of products you come out with, the the messaging you put out on social media, even things like using or having your customers come in for photo shoots. If someone out there is is also finding that there's not really a brand or product out there that resonates with them for a problem that they are looking to solve, where do you begin to start building a brand that resonates? When you know yourself that there's nothing out there that resonates, how do you even take that knowledge and start taking the first steps towards building a brand that 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 resonates? I think it's really important to understand what your point of difference is and really leverage that. Um, I think it's important to look at what other brands are doing so you can see where you sit in the marketplace. But I think it's a danger to spend too much time looking at what other people do, are doing, especially if you're trying to create a brand that's different. I think it's really important to run your own race. Um, and I think the other thing, and one thing that we always do too, um, is we always go back to you know the 101 or one one thing that I often do is I go back and listen to um, uh, the the short YouTube video of it starts with why, um, because sometimes we do get lost in the noise and the busyness and what's happening in the marketplace. And, um, you know, we, we really do go back to, okay, you know, what is our purpose? Why are we doing this? Um, who are we servicing? Um, and that's, that's an exercise that, you know, we, we do regularly. And, um, one of the great opportunities for us, um, to revisit that is every time that we onboard a, you know, a new employee, we have the opportunity to talk to them about that. Um, and, you know, make sure that we're communicating that to our team. Yeah, I like that about why you're you're doing this. Is this something that that changes or evolves over time, or is this something that really should be uh, kind of established early on and should be held as almost like a uh, an ultimate truth that that you don't diverge from? I don't think it needs to be one or the other. I think it depends on your brand. But for us, um, we haven't wavered from our initial um, vision and mission. Um, as we've grown, um, I think we're still just really focused on celebrating all women, about celebrating being active for all the right reasons, not just about aesthetics, but for enjoyment, for fun, for community, for health and mental health. So that's really stayed true to us um, as we've grown. And we've just we've just been really consistent. We haven't changed with, uh, you know, different 
movements in the market or different entrants into the market. Um, when we celebrate our fifth birthday, we always go back and reminisce um, about, you know, what we've done. And one of the things we always do is go back and have a look at our uh, posts from 2016 on social media. And like it always amazes me how consistent we have really been and we've really st- stayed true to um, that vision. When you are designing elements of your website to continue to have that kind of messaging, how do you make sure that that you are staying on point? And not just, I guess, not just your website, but on social media. Now that the company is larger, you have a, a team now that, that that works on this. How do you make sure that everyone is basically staying on on message? I think it starts um, in the recruitment process. It's really important to us that the people we bring on board really understand the brand. Um, so there's lots of questions in the interview process around that to get um, them understanding and also just having the same vision and outlook on uh, being active and being inclusive that we do. And it's uh, yeah, continual conversations with the team. They, they know pretty well um, what our tone of voice is um, and how we want the brand to be presented to the world. So um, they're doing a really great job of that. Now, I'm sure I'm looking at the website now, Active Truth, uh, or for me, ActiveTruth.com. I'm looking at the website. Is there, have you, has the website evolved over time? Like, talk to us about the, the changes that you made to the website over time. It has evolved. <laughs> uh, we had a big website refresh last year, which is really exciting. Uh, we had the same theme for the first um, three and a half years. Um, it had become a little bit of a Frankenstein because we didn't have developers. So we were, hacks and add-ons, um, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, we had a uh, developer come on board and create a new website for us. And that really gave us the ability to um, add some extra features, things like upsells, cross-sell, gift with purchase, bundles. Um, they also um, did a small brand refresh for us and updated the logo from my initial one that I designed back in the day, uh, which I was, I was very grateful for. So um, that was fantastic. We saw uh, an increase in conversion rate um, pretty much immediately uh, once we released that website. We're also really excited um, that we now have a US website. So that's what you'll be looking at, Felix. Mm-hmm. Um, that's relatively new as well. Uh, we haven't put any... Um, funds behind marketing to the US yet. We do um, get some sales from over there at the moment, but that's an area of focus that we're really looking at um, um, from this year onwards is to really um, tap into the US market as well. Yeah. So you mentioned upsells, cross-sells, gifts with purchase and bundles. So these are all new things that you've been able to add to, to the website. Talk to us about that. Like how has that, how, how have you been strategic about how you use upsells or cross-sells or bundling? I think it's really easy to think that all of your customers know every single product that's on the website, but you've got to remember that they're not seeing every single social post or email and they're not necessarily clicking into every product that's there. So it's a really great opportunity to um, show customers how they can uh, wear different um, products together just to show them something else on the website that might appeal to them. Uh, the gift with purchase has been great for us to increase our basket size as well. So um, we've had some smaller products like resistance bands which would be great when everyone was working out at home in 2020, um, just to um, tip that basket size a little bit higher. It also helps move some stock that's been a little bit stale as well, um, rather than it's, it's just a different way to, rather than always discounting. Mm, also, you, you're like almost like bundling or gifts with purchase products that, that might not sell as well on their own. 
Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So yeah. maternity is a great area of bundles for us. So often if you're buying a postnatal recovery tight, you're looking at a, a feeding bra as well. Um, with pregnancy, we know a lot of women, once they buy the first uh, pregnancy tight, quite often come back a week or two later when they realise how amazing they are and yeah. buy a second pair. So, um, Or they might buy a bike short-length pair to wear under dresses and a full-length to wear on their own. So um, particularly the maternity, the bundles work really well for us. Got it. And because you've just gone through a refresh recently, was there any area that you wanted to focus focus on to to improve either the experience or even improve uh, besides these, you know, cross sales, upsells and give a purchase and the bundles? Were there any other areas of the website that you worked on that helped increase either retention or sales? One of our biggest focuses was the mobile experience. I think 90% of our traffic, if not more, comes from mobile. So really recognizing um, that that user experience has to be top notch. And I think one of the um, most interesting things that we did, um, someone recommended um, that we do it, was that we got a stranger um, at a conference um, called John. And we said to John, he, uh, we want you to purchase um, and we'll use our credit card uh, to purchase a pair of mum and maternity tights. And so he hopped on on his own device and he, he went through it and we sat there and we sat there on our hands and we zipped our mouth and we watched him go through that experience. And it was such an eye-opening experience. And it's something that we've done subsequently with our staff members and our friends and our family and um, also, you know, people after they've had a couple of drinks because we all like to shop online late at night after a few drinks. Um, but it was just it's so interesting seeing, watching him try and, or watching anyone try and navigate um, or try and change the value in the cart, like just thrashing your finger against it because it wouldn't click. So we learned um a lot, and we still we still do that all the time as well. Um, that mobile experience, um, and you know, we were able to implement a few quick changes uh, there in house. But um, it was definitely something that we asked our um, developers to really focus on. Got it. And you mentioned to us already uh, an app like Okendo for for uh, getting reviews. Are there any other apps that you use to help run the website or the business? Uh, we recently uh, installed a uh, returns app uh, called Loop. So that's been uh, really good for us as well, um, just automating um, the returns and exchange processes for our customers. We've had really great feedback for them from them. Um, previously, we had the old uh, manual form that you sent back in uh, and it was a lot of work um, for the team to manage those exchanges. Um, and also with the inventory, someone might send back a product wanting to exchange it and by the time it comes back to us, we've sold out of that and then it's the, the manpower going back to the customer. So that's all automated um, for us. It's also got an opportunity to um, get the customer shopping again with a um, shop bonus. So if they decide to um, return an item um, but shop again, um, it was a $5 credit that they can put towards their order as well um, rather than getting a refund. Awesome. So for again, activetruth.com or activetruth.com.au. Thank you so much, Stevie and Nadia. And I'll, and I'll leave you this last question. What do you think is the most important area of focus for your business over the next year? I think for us, we experienced such great um, and incredible growth over um, 2020 uh, that we're really focusing on being better rather than bigger. So really working um, with our team, they've done an incredible job, but really providing them with the support and the resources to continue to upskill. Um, the e-commerce world is such a fast-paced and ever-evolving um, world. Um, making sure that we've got the right processes and procedures in place, um, that's across the team, um, our supply chains with our manufacturers, 
um, and really just making sure that we're we're doing the best practice um, that we can. And I, I guess we, you know, we, we love what we do. Um, and we know our customers love what we do and we're making a difference and just really being that um, business that is there in the long run. Awesome. And thank you so much for both of you for coming on and sharing your experience. Our pleasure. Thanks for having us, Felix. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Shopify Masters, the e-commerce podcast for ambitious entrepreneurs powered by Shopify.